everyone knows like Travis Preston's not the only test writer at Yamaha, right? Come on now. A Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey, thank you for joining me once again. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, you hit the play button as well as that subscribe and download button. So thank you for joining me. I am Chris Kiefer. This is the RockyMountainATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast. How are you guys doing? RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes, low prices, unparalleled customer service, Free three-day shipping over 75 bucks. So many reasons to shop at RockyMountainATVMC.com. Thank you to those fine people over there for sponsoring and keeping this podcast on the train track. So thank you guys. And of course, Fly Racing. FlyRacing.com. You guys know what song I'm going to sing. Fly like an eagle into the sea. I feel like I sing pretty good. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like I'm not horrible. Nonetheless, flyracing.com. Go over there. Check them out. Look at all the stuff they offer you guys. Hard parts. They even got accessories. They got, of course, gear, helmets, guards, everything. Anything you guys want from BMX, dirt bikes, snowmobile, heck, Even if you're out just mountain biking and living life like me, they even have kick-ass mountain bike shoes. That's what I wear. Flyracing.com. Go check them out. So much cool stuff for 2020 that they brought to the table. So enjoy your life. Go to flyracing.com. Racetech, racetech racetech.com. Chris Riesenberg, have you emailed Chris yet? Have you emailed me about your discount to Racetech? Have you tried gold valves? Have you got your oil changed in your fork and shock? Nope. So, might as well email me, chris at keferinktesting.com. Send your stuff off to Racetech, get a discount, and then you can live your best life on Racetech suspension. Thank me later. Don't forget about ProTaper. ProTaper ProTaper.com. You need a set of handlebars? I like a Fusion or an Evo bar. Especially with this bike, what we're talking about here, I like an SX race bend that is basically the same exact bend that the Yamaha YZ450F comes with. That fits a lot of different bikes, not just Yamaha. SX race, protaper.com. Check them out. If you have any questions, email me. I'll answer them. How are you guys doing? I'm hyped, as you guys can see. It's another week, another episode. But I am especially excited because out of all the bikes introduced for 2020, after I heard of all the changes that Yamaha made to their YZ450F, this was the bike that I was most excited about in the 450 class. 
Let's face it, other brands, not a lot of changes for 2020 in the 450 division. They just simply are probably going to wait to 2021. But for 2020, Yamaha did a lot of work to their bike to try to improve it. And of course, as you guys know, I'm a fan of this motorcycle. I race this bike a lot, as well as others, but I race this bike the most, I would say. I'm trying to figure that out in my mind. But I would say, on my own time, I love a YZ450F because it's comfortable. Plain and simple, I'm getting old and it has a lot of comfort. So, I was excited to ride this new bike. I have a couple days underneath my belt. Man, this podcast might be a little bit long because there is a lot to go through, a lot to talk about. So for the Blue Crew guys over there, and of course Travis Preston, if you guys know him, he is one of the test riders. He's not the test rider. He's one. He's good. I approve of his test riding skills, but there are others over there that should be mentioned. Of course, Steve Butler, he is the head of R&D at Yamaha. Steve Tarkowski, he is another kid that used to race locally here in Southern California. He was a good local pro, raced some Supercross, did pretty good. Um, nice kid. He is over there in the R&D department as well. Those two guys, along with Dustin Nelson and Doug Dubach, are just some of the testers that helped develop this thing here in North America. And I have been a part of the R&D process at Yamaha for a little while, uh, back in, I would say, 2000. Five-ish to 2009, I was in that area. I was in the accessory division and also helped a little bit with uh, production R&D. So I'm very aware of what goes on there. I would say, and this is coming from me personally, I've been a part of a few different R&D departments in my time. But I will say that Yamaha is one of the best R&D programs there are out there. They're smart, they're calculated, they take their time, they have a a pretty thorough thought process when they're trying to change some things. They simply just don't change things for the sake of changing them. And the guys over there in the R&D department all know how to ride a dirt bike at a high level. So for me, sitting back now, I'm away from it, I can appreciate what they've kind of developed after I left. I like the fact that they put some quality people in that department, and uh, Mike Ulrich is, was one of the R&D guys before he got basically uh, the media managing position, I would say. He's the guy I go to when I need some marketing or anything for advertising, or I need to get a motorcycle. He's the guy that plans all that stuff, so... They're very aware. They've been around dirt bikes. They're all dirt bike enthusiasts. I just like to talk to you guys about that to get you guys some background on who those guys are that are developing the dirt bikes. I kind of talk about that in other podcasts about when I develop dirt bikes and the thought process and what they're going through. I like to give you guys some background out there on those people because, again, I'm a people person. I like quality people, and there's a lot of those type of people over at Yamaha. So, 2020 YZ450F, this is the podcast you're going to want to listen to to get all the little nook and crannies of this motorcycle. Again, I appreciate a great motorcycle no matter what color it is, but for the past few years, Yamaha has created a 450 for the average consumer, 
that is comfortable, fast, and has the best suspension in class, period. Some of you guys ask me, well, how come Barsha and Plessinger are sucking it up right now? Look, that bike that number 51 and number 7 are riding is nothing like what you and I am riding out at our local tracks. Yes, it's a YZ450F, but they, as in the race team, they do a lot of different things for these guys to customize that bike for them. Why isn't it working in the results category for those two guys? Look, they could be going backwards. It is well known that I know Steve Mathis did a podcast and he talked a little bit about um, Barsha got a third place at Unadilla, what he owed that to. And they said, hey, they've been testing. They're kind of going back to the drawing board a little bit and taking a step back and trying to reevaluate the bike so maybe they can get a better setting. So to me, sometimes when you have a great base production motorcycle, sometimes you can actually screw it up. And race teams are just like us. They're human beings, right? That's what runs the damn program, human beings. And there is human error. Sometimes you slap on some shit, not so good. Sometimes you never take it off and you just keep running it. Sometimes race team have race teams have a sponsorship that they have to run certain products. Maybe that product isn't as good as a stock piece. You guys on the outside may not see that, but I've been around it and it's not uncommon for race teams to go backwards with their race bikes. So, not to say that Yamaha has gone backwards with their race bikes. I'm just saying maybe the guys haven't had a chance to develop and maybe take a step back and use some of that great baseline OEM production piece, pieces, I should say, and really fine-tune it and not completely change it in order to make a better motorcycle for, for JB and AP. That's what I think. So don't base your opinion on race team motorcycles. I know most of you guys are smart enough to know that, but I just want to mention that with this bike, especially because the 2019 YZ450F won a lot of shootouts. It won ours. So that brings me to my next point. As excited as I was about riding this bike, I was nervous. I was hoping to God they wouldn't fuck it up. Because I've been a part of other motorcycles that I really liked. 2012 Honda CRF 450R. I really liked it. Oh boy, they went backwards. I really was hoping Yamaha wouldn't do that for 2020. So I was excited to get out to the track, meet the guys, ride the bike. Of course, I went out, I went out there with Steve Mathis, the Newf Canadian legend, and Galdi. That's what I call him, Ryan Gald. He was out there. He didn't get to ride, but we had two bikes out there. I got my test bike. Steve got his. And, man, I stayed out there pretty much all day, and I have a full notebook of settings. Each setting that I ride, I write down a bunch of notes to kind of give me a direction on which way I think is best for not only me, but I also think about you guys as well, just like a production test rider would which direction I feel like would be the best direction for most of you guys listening to this podcast. That's the beauty of this podcast. I am a strictly a testing base media source. There's not a lot of fluff over here. It's basically what I find out. I relay that to you guys, and hopefully 
That cuts your time in half to set up your machine, and you just get to go ride with your homies and have fun. So right away, what did Yamaha do to the 2020 YZ450F? We're not going to sit here for about 60 to 90 minutes and break down every nook and cranny because Mike Ulrich at Yamaha did that for us in the box van or the van at the track and gave us every little detail that they changed. That you guys can read up over at keyforinktesting.com. In the article, there's a link. Click on that link and you will be directed to the actual changes. But let's just briefly cover this. So... There is over 15 changes to the engine itself. Notably, the head. The head is lighter. It's a little bit different, so you just can't bolt on your 2019 head. I know some of you guys are getting ready to email me that. Don't do that. You can't do that. The head is a little bit different. There is a lot more, I guess I should say a lot more material that's taken off of the head. There is also a new camshaft. The profile and timing is different. Exhaust head pipe is also different. The diameter is changed. Condenser and the rectifier regulator are combined now. So for those of you guys on an older YZ450F, I had a couple of uh, regulators on the back but near the subframe fall off and just rip off from seat bounce and just kind of hang and dangle and the tire hits it and then it ejects, you never find it. Sometimes you guys even know that it's gone. I have talked to a couple of you guys out there like, Kiefer, I don't have that piece on the back of my, uh, underneath my bike near the subframe anymore. Yeah, because it ripped off. Your bike will still run, but you need that piece to put back on. So uh, they, what they did for 2020, Yamaha combined the condenser and the rectifier regulator together so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Thank God. Shift shaft lever, the shape has changed, transmission gear shape change, a longer connecting rod, and of course a higher compression piston are just some of the changes that they did make. There is a lot of those changes inside that engine. You guys are asking me, is the bike lighter? Well, before they put the Dunlop MX-33 tires on this bike, it was just over two pounds lighter. But now you're going to stick... Dunlop's new 33 tires on there because that's what everyone has to kind of go to now because Dunlop axed the MX-3S. So now you're adding a little bit more weight. You're adding another pound. So basically, the 2020 YZ450F only weighs less. You ready? One pound. It's only one pound less. But we're going to talk about that in this podcast and see if you can feel that, if not more, on the track. So let's break down the changes in the chassis. Like I said, there is over 10 of those in the chassis. You have a new handlebar holder, which is the mount, right? You have top clamp that is different, shape change. Front suspension settings, of course, valving is different. Front axle thickness change. Front brake system, completely different, caliper and disc. Engine brackets, front end top, material and shape change. The footrest, which is AKA foot peg, material and shape change. Rear brake system, caliper, hanger, and disc change. Of course, rear shock valving changes. The mainframe, of course, is different thickness change. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit too, as well. And you have now, you have a 
on-the-fly mode switch where you can go back and forth between two maps. So basically, the 2020YZ450F front part of the machine is, the chassis, I should say, is softer. That's what they're going with. The cradle, all right, you're going underneath, is firmer, stiffer. The down tube is softer. And, of course, you have the shape changes, the material changes on these mounts, which in results into a whole different feeling motorcycle. I concur that. We will talk about that as well. But as you guys can see, there is a lot of changes going on to this YZ450F, hence the reason why I was nervous. But I'm here to tell you guys, it was, I'm going to say, I'm going to use this word. It was a fucking blast to ride this dirt bike. I didn't want to come in too hot. I didn't tell the guys at Yamaha, so I'm sure they're listening to this going, oh boy. I didn't want to come in overhyped because in 2018 when I came into this intro for the new YZ450F, I was pumped. I was like, "Woo, man, this thing's going to be badass. I came in too hot. I wasn't let down by the 2018 version, but I wasn't like overly excited like I thought I would be. So I learned my lesson. Coming into this 2020 bike intro, I just was mellow. I was chill. It's like going on a first date. You know, I just wanted to be chill. I wanted that cool. I didn't want to over get hyped. I didn't think I was going to get some. I just wanted to come in and be like, all right, thank you. I'm going to hear the changes. I'll be the judge of that on the track. I just want to get to know the motorcycle. Well, after I got to know her, I like her a lot. As men, we don't really decide on women after a little bit, but I've pretty much decided that this was a better motorcycle within the first 20 to 25 minutes that I was riding it. I had to make one small change, which we will talk about first, but once I made that change, I had a smile on my face for most of the day. So let's just get right down to it. What's the first change that I wanted to make? Look, for 2020, they moved the bar forward 16.5 millimeters. I'm going to start this podcast off by saying I didn't like it. That was one of the changes that I did not approve of coming from Yamaha boys. They really thought it would put more weight on the front end, help the guys steer, help the guys corner, get some more front end bite. I actually felt the opposite. I went back to the old 2019 bar setting, which was the rear hole with the mount in the forward position. I like that better. I'm six foot tall. You think me being a guy that's a little bit taller would like a little bit more room. But for me, it didn't put the right amount of leverage for me while sitting and coming through corners. It put my elbows in a weird position and left my hands kind of light, which gave me a little bit of head shake slash deflection in the front end. So I felt like I had more weight on the front end when I had that mount back. So if you guys out there listening to this have that, just go try it. Go ride with that mount in the stock position for 2020. And if you feel, if you feel like you're cornering, suffering, or you can't get enough weight on the front end, simply come back with the mount and point that mount forward and you're back in the 2019 stock position. I like that position. So I had to do that first and foremost. After about 10 minutes, I said, hey man, I tried this. I don't like that. I'm coming back. So we went back. I went back out. And I want to break down the engine, okay? So from the from the 2019 and 2020, you guys are going to notice a lot 
I wouldn't say a lot. I, you guys will notice better RPM response everywhere. RPM response is initial crack of the throttle. I would say 0 to 5%. That initial crack has a lot of excitement. There's a lot there to be used. Mid-RPM response, bottom, is where you're going to feel it the most. I feel like that initial crack has been crispened. That's a, that's a word. And also, it's just a little bit touchier for me than the 2019 version. Now, that is with the stock map. Just know that when you guys get your YZ450F, there is, there is no pre-programmed second map. That's up to you to put that in there. So if you switch your mode with the light on or off, it's going to be the same map until you load another map inside of there. Okay? So anything that's map one related, your ECU tuner will be like, hey, you want to send this to map one or map two? Use map two, map one, however you guys want to work it, but light on is map two. Just know that. Light on is map two. So after I spent a little bit more than just 10 minutes, obviously, with the handlebars, and I got a feel of the engine, right away I'm like, wow, a lot more torque feeling through the mid-range. So, And what I mean by that, what is torque feeling through the mid-range? Exiting the corner, rolling the throttle on, there is a lot more meat and a lot more pulling power than the 2019 version. Another thing I felt right away was a lot more top-end and over-rev so basically, this new 2020 YZ450F not only has better RPM response, but the pulling power from mid to top is increased, which I liked because I felt like second gear in 2019 wasn't that long. I couldn't use second gear that long like I could on a KTM. Granted, you can use third gear more on a YZ450F more than any other machine out there. But now for 2020, I have the freedom to use second gear a little bit longer if I'm getting lazy. Or if I'm the other way and I'm lazy, I don't want to downshift. I can run third gear because it will pick up better. Now, we talk about recovery and pickup and all these fucking tests that we talk about. And I hear more guys using that word. But what I'm telling you guys out there is for this 2020, last year, for 2020... This thing doesn't need a lot of clutch work. I could literally take the clutch lever off and just roll around the track in third gear and it pulls it just fine, even in the tightest of corners. That's the beauty of this engine, especially with this newfound engine power. Second gear will be fine if you guys want to be lazy from corner to corner, as long as it's not too long. But I do like the fact that now third gear... I don't have to fan the lever a couple times like I did in the 2019. Now I can just simply come out of that corner, roll the throttle on, and have zero clutch work. That is due directly because of the added meat that I'm getting through the mid-range. You guys will notice that ASAP when you get on this bike. Another thing you will notice that I really enjoyed, and we talk about this as well on these podcasts, is rear wheel connection. That is huge on a KTM and a Husqvarna. People talk shit on those bikes because they feel slow, but they're super connected. So now we're dealing with this YZ450 with, this more, with more power, right? And we're thinking, oh shit, it's going to break loose. It's going to be out of control. And it's not going to be a friendly type of engine character. False. 
it's better connected to the rear wheel. It has better driving power. And for me, just feels more planted into that dirt. I will say that stock map to me is too touchy. And this bike only improves when you stick an another map inside of it. If you go to keyforinktesting.com or pulpmx.com, I have three different ECU maps to try. TP has a 3.0 version of his map. Probably not his map, probably a collaboration of map from people. But it's his map because he's Travis Preston, right? So we'll, we'll give him that for right now. More on Travis later. But we'll get to that. TP 3.0 is probably the best map for my riding style. What does TP 3.0 do? It takes that RPM hit off just a little bit. just kind of shaves that sucker in half, right? So now I don't have that bop, bop, that quick, instant RPM response down low, which doesn't upset the chassis as much, which makes the bike drive through mid to exit much better with TP 3.0. The bike chassis reacts way slower, calmer with TP 3.0, but I'm not losing that much low-end feel. I'm actually gaining more linear pull, a little bit less mid-range, but there's so much to be had here, guys, that I don't mind it. To me, it's just a manageable, easier bike to ride with TP 3.0. I tried some other maps. There's a key for one map if you guys want to split the difference. I felt like, and I told the Yamaha boys, I go, hey, I feel like between stock map and then Travis Preston's map, we could come up with something in between. Try key for one. That kind of splits that difference. And for me, I completely took the stock map out, and all I have is my map and Travis's map inside this bike, and it fits a wide range of conditions at the track that I was at. Actually, two tracks, by the time you're listening to this, two tracks. And I like that power. It's more manageable. There's a lot of meat there. I can run third gear. It helps the chassis coming out of corners. To me, just going from the 2019 to 2020, you guys are going to notice how much better that mid-range top-end pull is. I talked about this in the article. I don't think there's a huge amount of differences between 2019-2020 bottom end, but mid to top end, that is something that is very noticeable. And of course, RPM response. That is crisper for 2020, but maybe too crisp for some of you guys out there. I recommend putting that map that I talked about in and that will help you guys and that will get you a better handling, not even a better engine character, a better handling YZ450F. Another thing I want to mention about the engine as well is the freer feeling that you guys will experience with this 2020. We talk about four strokes and engine braking and free feeling. More of us want to stay flatter in a corner. Well, now for 2020 and the head changes that Yamaha made along with the rod changes because that actually will help this as well, I get less pitching slash engine braking from this engine, especially in second gear. Last year in second gear, I got a shit ton of engine braking, and that's another reason why I used third gear a lot because it was a lot freer feeling. But for 2020, and I... I don't know where to contribute this better feel, 
But second gear, guys, is a lot freer feeling. So when I do use second gear from corner to corner and I don't shift to third gear, I'm not getting a ton of throw up to the front end and getting a lot of pitching. It is much better than any previous Yamaha that I've ever ridden. Second gear is usually a tight gear. And what I mean by tight means it just feels like there's a, it's heavy. There's a lot of drag. There's not a, simply a lot of drag in this second gear for 2020. So that is a great sensation when you're riding is when that motor doesn't feel bound up or you don't got a lot of pitching into that fork. Again, this greater sensation that I like to call it, when you have less engine braking in second gear, really helps you roll your corner better, create, creating a faster lap time and making you a better rider. And in the end, isn't that what we all want? Especially for me at my age, I still want to be better. I still want to go faster. But yet, I want to do that in a safer manner without having me going ass over tea kettle. And then I'm on the couch. So these little stupid little things that we talk about in this podcast, like a freer second gear, honestly makes you it safer. It just makes you a safer rider. Because if you're hitting a bump, okay, paint this picture right now. I'm going to humor me a little bit. You're in second gear, you're a little tired, you don't shift because you're tired, right? We've been there. Uh, I'm not shifting to third, I'm just going to leave in second, and I want to lit off, and I hit a bump. The force from litting off the throttle with engine braking in second gear, along with hitting a braking bump, pushes, pushes that front end forward mega, a lot. And then you know what that does, right? That puts you over in an endo... You go over the bars, ruin your day, ruin your moto, you know, so we don't want none of that. So little things like I mentioned in this podcast really do help us be safer, and I appreciate those things because I want to keep riding. I don't want to be sitting on the couch. So again, a little bit freer of a second gear feel. I like that. It's commercial time, commercial time, commercial time. I know I'm annoying, but don't forward the commercials i'll shut up just listen to the commercials i'll shut up thank you thanks to the guys over at 6d helmets that's right they're on board with the keyforinktesting.com kefir tested podcast we thank them for joining us you have a street bike a dirt bike or do you pedal you have a mountain bike head over to 6dhelmets.com check out the full line of helmets they offer i'm sure they have a helmet for you hey i get questions all the time kefir what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys, and it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keyforinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets, hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 6D. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, bludlubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. 
I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in kefir testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code KEFER and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. The one thing that bums me out about racing moto is waiting around all day just to do two or four motos. I don't want to be sitting at the track all day and have three hours in between my motos. Well, you know what? Old Timers Association has been around a long time, and the guys from Oregon Old Timers have come on board with this podcast and want me to talk to you about their series. Very cool series. I've raced them before. They have 20-minute motos, long motos. Usually, you're done by 3 o'clock. You're in and out. You get to race. Go home, finish your chores, spend time with your family, go do stuff with your wife, whatever it is. It's a fun, family-filled environment there. They have races all over. It's not just in Oregon. They have races in California, Glen Helen, Montana, Richland, Washington. They go to Hangtown. They go to Washington again in Washougal, which is very cool. And, of course, they go to British Columbia, Boise, Idaho, even Edmonton, Canada, and Fernley, Nevada. You can check out the series at OregonOldTimers.com. And you will even see me at a couple rounds this year. So check them out. ScreenPrintingDone.com You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts? Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being. And he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, screenprintingdone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and screenprintingdone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 65 years ago, Vertex piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end... Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high-compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at vertexpistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, chris at keferinktesting.com, and I've got one for you. Save some money. Vertexpistons.com. We talk a lot about batteries, don't we? 
lot of these stock batteries are going bad, and the best place to get batteries, chains, and hey, now even oil. Firepowerparts.com. Go check them out. Get them at your local dealer. They're great products for less money. Keyword, less money, great products. Check those suckers out. Firepowerparts.com. Let me know if you have any questions. Of course, you guys know my email, chris at keyforingtesting.com, firepowerparts.com. Do it. We're back. I'm less annoying. On to the show. Let's talk about the suspension. Basically, Yamaha's goal for this whole bike was to gain performance while maintaining comfort. Very hard to do in the world of dirt bikes, man. And I'm laughing because that is every manufacturer's goal, right? I want to build a better bike, but I want to keep the comfort. That's really hard to weave inside of a dirt bike. For some some reason, KYB SSS fork has been the magic fork. Everyone else in the industry is chasing that feeling. Hard to do. I know for a fact, uh, Showa and WP have had KYB SSS forks to try to mimic and and feel and and ride with and test. You can't do it. So for 2020, Yamaha wanted some more holdup. It didn't want the bike to pitch as much. Basically, what that does for us out there is help us um, come into corners better, have a better balanced machine, and also make the bike feel lighter because it's not so unbalanced or front heavy. This helps us. So again, KYB has done a great job with Yamaha for 2020. It is a little bit of a stiffer feeling fork and shock along with chassis. We will talk about that chassis in a minute. But overall, the 2020 Yamaha is a stiffer feeling motorcycle. To me, for the better. Do not be scared off about the word stiffness or stiffer. It's not rigid. Rigid is a word that you should kind of cringe when you hear it. Stiffer is not necessarily a bad word, especially in this case. So, again, I ended up going a little bit stiffer with my settings, okay? The fork was a little bit soft on the end stroke. I wanted it to move a little bit less, so I went a little bit stiffer. But compared to the 2019, it does have a little more damping control, which I like. The shock itself... Did squat a little bit under load. I stiffened that up and slowed the rebound down, which helped. Once I got my setting, the bike remained fairly planted slash flat. That is the goal that I'm working towards for every one of you guys out there listening to this podcast. We talk about, you know the factory guys and how flat their bikes are, but also their stuff is pretty stiff. Most of us can't run that setting because it's just simply too stiff and we couldn't hang on for more than two laps so to get that comfort that Yamaha had and the the comfort that I felt on the couple tracks that I rode and the second track that I rode I'll just be transparent with you it was dry shitty square edgy very rough and of all the bikes that are in my shop which we're not talk about right now but there's three of them that I rode back to back to back Yamaha just has more control, more predictability, uh, a nice damping feel that the bike actually, the suspension actually moves in the stroke, but doesn't have a lot of deflection or rigidity inside of that feel, man. Like 
That's what's amazing to me and kind of blows my mind because they're getting some holdup, but yet not getting a, a huge amount of harshness anywhere in the suspension. So I like that. So let me just rip off some settings for you guys. So grab your pen, your paper, your pencils, whatever you got. Grab these suckers or pause this. And this is where I was left at after the second day of riding. I was at 103 millimeters of sag. So that's shock sag, okay? The fork. Standard clicker setting is 9 out on the compression. I'm at 8. Rebound on the fork. Standard setting is 9. I'm at 8. Fork oil volume is stock at 295 cc's. Spring rate is stock at 5.0. I leave the fork height at 5 millimeters. Leave that there. Rear suspension, stock compression, 9 out. I'm at 8 out. High speed compression, stock is 1. I'm at 3 quarters. I stiffen it up a little bit on the in stroke. And I wanted the ride attitude, so the ride balance up a little bit, under throttle, out of corners, because I, I felt like I was too low. And I was in a stiffer part of that travel when I would hit these square edge coming out of these ruts. I wanted to bring it up a little bit. So if you guys are feeling that, bring your ass end up just a little bit so you're out of that stiffer part of the stroke. And you can use more of that initial softer stroke, okay? Rebound on the shock. Stock is 11. I'm at 8. I went... I wanted to try a drastic change on this because the the first track at Milestone was fairly ruddy, grabby, and there was bumps inside these ruts, and the bike was moving, but I wanted it to calm down a little bit. I wanted it to relax. I didn't want it to move as much. So I went as um, slow as eight clicks out, and I left it there because I actually liked it. I was thinking at this higher speed track that I went to after Milestone that I might have had to speed that up. Because it was faster, more sweeping of corners. I left it at 8 and it was good. This also tells me, guys, that the track toughness that we talk about with dirt bikes, the Yamaha has really good track toughness. If you don't know what track toughness, toughness is, go back and listen to my Honda podcasts. We talk about that because Honda lacks some of track toughness with their motorcycles. They are getting better, but... The Yamaha seems to have track toughness, and that is where you can take your bike and go to five different tracks, and you will only have to do minimal clicker changes or just changes in general. You don't have to screw with the bike that much. So that means that bike is fairly tough at every track that you go to. And uh, simply put, these two tracks that I rode this 450 on so far on this brand new Yamaha, very drastic, very different in in dirt, in roughness, in uh, the way, um, how much speed you have. And I didn't change zero. I brought my fork <laughs> tool, aka flat blade out with me to this track to try to change some things. And I ended up not changing anything because I felt like it was fairly comfortable the way it is. So suspension settings are a little bit better, a little bit firmer. Again, if you guys are in the realm of 200 pounds over, look, Travis weighs about 220 with gear on, and he seems to go a little bit stiffer in compression just like I did. So I don't think you need to go ape shit yet and go get fork springs and do these things yet. Yamaha's test riders are... 150 pounds of dick and ribs, Stephen Butler. 
And then you got you got Mr. CrossFit, Travis Preston over there, that's 220 plus, and he's all ripped and, and gnarly. So there's a wide range of riders over there. Both of those guys are pretty smart in testing, and it seems to work good for them. And I'm 170 pounds, and it works fairly good for me with the stock spring rate. So give yourself some time. Don't rush and go purchase springs. Ride this bike a little bit. See if you can dial it in with clickers first. And if you seem to be bottoming out a lot, then obviously you might need to go to spring rates, different spring rates. But just know this as well. Little tidbits that I throw in these podcasts. If you're going to bottom, it's fine. You need to bottom once or twice a lap on a track, as long as it's not violent. You want to use all your suspension, okay? You don't want to be three quarters and be like, oh, it's good. I'm not using all my suspension. No, you want to use all of it. That's why it's there. It needs to soak up as much as the track as possible. Just know that as long as you're not slamming through the rear fender with your tire or you hear metal to metal on your fork or someone like Steve Mathis, okay? Of course, he needs springs. That stuff's too soft for him. I get it. He can't really dial it in. But 200 pounds to 150, we can dial that in with stock springs. So good job on there. Good good job on the suspension. The chassis changes that Yamaha made. Again, I mentioned the word stiffness. Yes, the chassis is stiffer feeling. The bike, the 2020 bike performs better when you push it harder. That's something I couldn't have said last year on the 2019. I'm a smoother guy, so that kind of fits me. But when I wanted to get out of my comfort zone and push, the bike was really wallowy and it moved a lot and it squatted and it pitched. And it was very difficult to to ride at a high, high level. Most guys liked it because, you know, chances are you're just a weekend warrior guy and it's comfortable and that's fine. But if you wanted to push it, this bike, last year's bike, didn't really allow that area. For 2020, it's not only friendly for us normal folk that want to ride on the weekend, but also for the for the racer guy that wants to push the edge a little bit um, you see these guys out there at the local track. They're just ripping. It's better for those kind of guys as well. Why? The bike itself, under load, If you, can you picture this right now? Sweeping corner, choppy, on throttle. The rear of the bike from the pivot bolt back seemed to hinge and move a lot and be wallowy in 2019. For 2020, the whole bike itself just feels more solid and planted. It doesn't want to sink, dive, or move around, or break traction. It just seems like I have a lot better contact patch when I'm in that area of uh, of the track. So faster, on throttle, leaning the bike, less wallowy feel, and a more planted feel. I know I've read some things. Actually, I looked at Michael Lindsay's shootout, and I noticed him saying, "Ah, mid corner feels lighter." I don't notice that. I don't notice a a lighter mid corner feel. I do notice that tip in on the corner is slightly lighter than last year. I do notice that. Um, there is one caveat to that. We'll talk about here in a little bit, but. Tip in a little bit lighter, and also exit to me is a little bit lighter because I can keep my lean longer with the way they have the engine placed and, of course, with this newfound rigidity balance that they got with the chassis. I approve of the changes. 
If you guys are worried about, I have a vague front-end feeling from last year, and I ran my fork up 7 mil. Now we're at a 5 mil fork height, a little bit more of a, a positive feeling at the end of each corner. I like that feeling, and you can keep your lean. The bike doesn't want to stand up as much at the exits of these corners, so I do like that a lot. Along with that, I like to talk about straight-line stability. I like to have a stable machine that can get me into the corner faster than having a quick-oriented turning machine that's a handful to get into the corner. So for me, the after you exit a corner into the next corner, right? So you have a straightaway between these two corners. That straightaway predicts how fast I can get into the following corner. I need a bike that can be planted, be stable, can get me there. And if it takes me a little bit more to lean into the corner, I don't mind that. Some of you guys out there listening need a sharp cornering bike because you're slower. Maybe your technique is off. I feel like this Yamaha is better for you guys as well, but also kept a lot of the stability that I liked straight line for 2020 that I liked from the 2019. So it's kind of like I said, we talk about blending and weaving these things in together. It's very difficult to do, but I feel like this bike, we always call this bike good. The Yamaha YZ450F does everything just good. Well, now I think in a few categories such as cornering, now we're a little bit above that. I feel like we're in the realm of not great, but we're above good. Uh, it's not a vanilla machine by any by any means. I feel like we're getting better in the cornering category. I feel like Yamaha is getting better um, on that front end, less vague feeling because that's what I always got with a Yamaha was a kind of a push. If there was nothing to bank off of, the front end kind of pushed out. Well, 2020, I don't really need something to bank off of to make my corner a better experience. I'm not hunting around for little berms and little walls to turn off of. Flat corners are, to me, a more positive traction experience. That's what I like to call. You know, it's just, it's a better experience overall. It's a little bit easier to manage in those areas and doesn't take as much work. On the heels of that, and I have this on my list and it's kind of down, but I want to talk about this now since we're on this. The MX-33 front tire is a harder carcass feeling tire. So if you guys are out there experiencing, hey man, on my initial lean or I'm starting my corner or even in a flat corner, I'm feeling the front end wash a little bit. One or two things here, okay? I feel like the 33 is not as good as the 3S on initial lean. I feel like the 33 is better mid to end corner where the 3S was better on the initial part of the corner. To me, that's what I want. I want initially, I want to have a lot of traction, okay? I want to have a lot of traction initially to start my corner, and then I can manage the mid to exit fairly easily for me. Drop your front tire pressure to 12.5 to 13. Experience with that on the 33 front. You guys simply cannot get along with it like me, and you're going to go find MX3Ss like I did, and I purchased a bunch of them, so I have them here at the shop. You guys can't find them. That's fine. Go look for a Pirelli MX32 or even the Hoosier MX25 front tire is good for initial lean, and it really helps this Yamaha. I took an MX3S, put it on this new bike. 
man, I really wish, and I told the Yamaha guys this, it's no secret, I really wish they got to have the MX-3S this year. I know some of the test riders over there like the 33 for pushing the edge, really charging in the corners more, but for me, I don't, I don't like it. I prefer an MX-3S with more comfort, initial lean, and to me, it helps this new chassis corner even better. And man, once you have a good front tire to bank off of, man, it is impressive how good this thing is in some of these tighter sections. It's very uh, compliant and lean-in is better. So just note that you guys can't get along with the Dunlop MX-33. Change it up. Don't blame it on the bike right now. Get a different front tire, and I promise you it does get better. Hey, and if you guys don't have a problem with it, just tell me to fuck off. Just tell me suck it. You don't know what you're talking about. I get it. Some guys like it. Some guys don't. I'm just giving you some options here in case you guys don't. So some of you guys out there are basically blaming the Yamaha YZ450F for some of the cornering woos, and it's not the bike. It's basically a front tire problem. So just know that. They changed the brakes, peeps. We're not Brembo there yet. We're not full Brembo. But this new Nissan caliper and the changes that they made is so much better than last year's version. If you guys remember on keyfringtesting.com, I did a top five mods for the YZ450F. One of those things was getting a Brembo system and putting it on your Yamaha. I don't think you need that for 2020. The new caliper and the piston size and the things that they did at that front brake, it is powerful. So stand by, okay? So when I took off on this thing, I grabbed a finger full of this son bitch, and holy shit, I almost endoed and washed out. So just know there's some more juice there in that front brake, and it does help you a lot. You just got to get used to it. It is a little bit grabby in the middle of the lever. Like when I'm pulling it in, there's a little bit of a grabby area. But dude, so much more power. You guys are going to be stoked. The top two brake systems I feel like right now are KTM and Honda. Honda has a really good front brake. I would say Yamaha is very close to a Honda front brake and feel. Lots of power. The lever hits soon. I like that. I like to drag my front brake in these ruts. Well, I should say the shallow ruts that we have here in Southern California. Just to kind of keep my front end down in those things. Very, to me, more modulated. If I can use that word for you guys, I can modulate that front book, front brake a little bit more. And there's a lot more juice when I need to just really clamp down and haul ass from point A to point B and get my braking done. So I like the brakes. The rear brake, they went from a 245 millimeter disc to a 240. Again, I approve that 250 millimeter rear brake on the Kawasaki is a piece of shit. I can't get along with it. I'd rather have a 240 on there. The 250 is way too grabby. I didn't have a problem with Yamaha's rear brake last year, but now with the 240, I like that. There is a lot of power there. It doesn't fade. It's not grabby like the 250 disc on the Cowie. So much better braking feel for 2020 on the Yamaha, and that is very important. I think sometimes brakes get overlooked on shootouts and bikes, I know that we talk about them a little bit, but when you have a really good brake on a motorcycle, you really understand and you really appreciate how much better a motorcycle can be with a good front brake. So 
Good job to Yamaha for noticing that and changing the front brake. What about the rider triangle? We talked a little bit about that uh, bar mount position. The bars, to me, if you guys are going to do it, go get a Pro Taper Evo SX race bar. That is the same bend as this 2020 YZ450F. Yamaha increased the stiffness of this seat foam by 10%, which was needed. It's funny. I didn't even think about this. I haven't ridden the Yamaha 2019 uh, in about, I don't know, that two-month span when I was riding a Honda a lot for the races. And then I came back home and I started riding the Yamaha. Well, before I got on the Honda, of course, I was riding the Yamaha a lot, right? I had this bruising in my ass, in my bone. And I was always laying down or I'd sit down. I feel this pain in my butt. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I never really put two and two together. Got off of the Yamaha, rode the Honda for two months, and my ass, my bone... Didn't hurt anymore. And then I just I went riding yesterday with this new bike, and I'm thinking, you know what? It dawned on me that 2019 seat was just simply too soft. And I was riding in the freaking fuel tank slash seat rails, right? And it was an unpleasant feeling. So now I haven't put that much more time on this seat foam, but it is stiffer. You will feel it. So I like that. I always recommended going to a guts firmer foam anyway for last year's bike. I will determine if I still need one of those, but as of right now, I can feel like I am uh, I'm have a much happier, much firmer feel to my ass, which I like. I need a firmer seat. I don't want to sink into that foam when I'm trying to accelerate out of a corner. So Yamaha did manage to do that. Again, I'm six foot tall. I like the rider triangle. Some of you taller guys want those foot pegs back and down. I really don't feel like I need that. Yamaha accessory division does offer a taller seat, which is 20 millimeters taller. I did try it. I liked it. Steve didn't. So just know that accessory division has a 20 mil, which is a lot, right? But it creates a flatter surface. I don't feel like I'm riding in a pocket like I do with the stock 2020 seat. This 20 mil seat, I could get along with, actually. I might actually end up running that because the, the transition from sitting to standing and I don't have to seat bounce shit because I can get off my ass and stand up and soak a jump versus trying to seat bounce it. Like Travis Preston. He seat bounces a lot. He needs to get off his ass. So maybe this 20 mil seat needs to be the direction he needs to go to. So maybe I will do that because I hear David Villeman in my fucking head all the time when I'm seat bouncing shit. And I hear it is in, in his French accent. Uh, do not seat bounce. You are lazy. That's my French accent. That's my David Villeman. So I do hear him. This 20 mil seat is better. So if you guys are taller, you guys are looking for a seat, check out the Yamaha accessory page, and they offer that. So that's a cool thing for them to offer. Um, a thing I do want to mention that I mentioned to the guys at Yamaha, one negative that I felt like um, was on the Yamaha, and it's not so much a 2020 Yamaha thing. It's just a Yamaha YZ450F thing in general. Uh, I go to Milestone a lot. We test there a lot, right? And I ride a lot of different bikes there. And there is a section of the track that I noticed the Yamaha lacks in a little bit. So for those of you that do not know Milestone, and obviously most of you guys listening to this do not live in Southern California, but there's a spot on the track where there's a step-up double, and then at the landing, the track kind of veers to the right, and you, you have to start angling your, your bike slash body to the right 
while accelerating down the landing. So I kind of set up in the air where I kind of angle my body and bike where I'm kind of leaned over and then I want to accelerate down to that inside rut for the next corner. The Yamaha under load, as soon as I land and then get on the throttle, there's a little bit of a vague feeling. I, I can't set up and lean in the air and get a nice contact patch with the tires. On the KTM and the Husqvarna, I can lean in the air, get on the gas in the air, and then immediately just drive down the backside and keep that lean all the way into the corner without shutting off. With the Yamaha, I have a little bit of a problem with the bike on throttle, getting ready to land, and then driving down the backside backside of the landing while leaning, setting up for the next corner. I have to give the bike a little bit of time, aka getting off throttle, and then getting back into it to help settle the chassis slash suspension so I have maximum grip. I just feel like the bike is a little bit of a top-heavy feel in that one area. That's the only area that I feel like it's a negative. So if you guys out there are listening to this and you guys have a jump that's kind of a lean angle jump, and then you got to keep that lean into a right-hander, maybe give me some feedback on that as well. I'm all ears because I feel like uh, other bikes in that category just kind of feel a little bit less heavy and more planted than the Yamaha YZ450F does. So it was just kind of a weird sensation for me because in other aspects of the track, on throttle, lean angle, sweepers, the bike's really planted, um, tight ruts, the bike feels planted, feels nice. It's just when the suspension loads and then starts to lift to unload as you're getting on the throttle where the, the contact patch slash uh, heavy feeling really is a negative for me on the YZ450F. So there's not a lot of negatives for me on this bike. It's it's a really good machine. I just, of course, I don't want to like uh, paint a picture to you guys out there listening and say everything is great. There's also many negatives to every single bike. It's not everything's honky-dory on every machine. So um, it's at one point in the track, and I just have to be a little bit off-throttle in that area it's just something I wanted to mention to you guys and see if you guys are riding yours and you do feel that. If you do feel that, hit me up, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com. I'm all ears. Again, I love learning things from you guys as well. And I kind of told that to the guys at Yamaha. And I don't know if they bought it or not, honestly, but I just try to be honest with those guys and tell them what I feel. And um, I'm sure they know that their bike is really good and it's going to be basically in the hunt, if not win a lot of shootouts this year because not a lot of other machines have changed for 2020. So like I do with all these podcasts, when I wrap this thing up, we talk about questions that I feel that like I'm going to get asked in my email inbox. Kiefer, what's up? My name is Joe Blow. I'm gonna bo- I'm gonna go buy a 2019 or a 2020 YZ450F. Which one should I get? That is a simple answer for me for this this time. Some of you guys answer uh, asked me this question between the the Honda and I was like, eh, you know, get a 2019 Honda. They're really good. Save yourself two two thousand twenty five hundred bucks. Put that towards an ignition and some suspension work or whatever. Now, for the Yamaha, I'm going to recommend you guys stick with the 2020. Why? Because the differences are very, very apparent when you get on the track. 
Like I said, first thing I noticed, engine, pulling power, connectivity, much better in 2020. Again, chassis for me, I'm able to push on the 2020 chassis much better than the 2019. More predictability. Those two things right there is worth $2,000 for me in different price range, okay? I usually give the $2,000 range because that's what I come to find out is the differences between a brand new 19 sitting on the showroom versus a 2020 sitting on the showroom. 2K to $2,500. I would rather see you guys have a smile on your face, listen to this podcast, ride your bike, and be like, ah, that's what he was talking about. Exactly. This 2020 machine is better in a lot of areas. So if you have the money and your wife is cool and she signs off on it, it's worth it to get the 20, guys. I like this bike a lot. I'm going to ride the shit out of this thing. I'm probably going to ride this bike and a couple other ones to do a little mini shootout before the actual shootout just to kind of give you guys a comparison. I kind of already know what the popular bikes are already this year. Obviously, the Kawasaki is one of the popular bikes, even though it didn't change anything. I guess I shouldn't say, I wasn't say as much, but it didn't change shit for 2020, but still is in the hunt for shootouts. It's good frame feel. Um, so I think that and one of the steel frame bikes, a little mini three bike shootout with this Yamaha would be very good content for you guys out there. Also, don't be scared to use this Yamaha Power Tuner app, people. I've heard from uh, the guys over at Yamaha, they scoured Loretta Lens in the pits, and some of you guys out there aren't using this thing. So if you guys aren't going directly off what I recommend on keyforinktesting.com, experiment. You can't, you can't hurt your Yamaha with this app. You think, oh, I don't want to try things. So I don't want to blow up my bike. You cannot do that. The engineers that designed this app, uh, the test riders, they've all done everything they could to try to screw the bike up. They couldn't do it, so you can't either. So if you're not going to go with the TP3.0, the Kiefer 1, or even the exciting map that we have up on KieferInkTesting.com, create your own. Try it. Get, get with me. I'd love to try yours as well. So if you guys uh, have a good map that you guys want me to try, hit me up on my email. I'd love to try it. I'll get you guys some feedback. Kind of fun to do to interact like that. But very cool for Yamaha to have such a thing. It's a very easy to maneuver app as well. I was a little bit scared of it when it came out. I got to know it fairly well, fairly quickly. Again, my wife puts 90% of everything together in my household. So... If that doesn't tell you something, I mean, dude, I am not the greatest mechanic. I'm novice, okay? I'm not the, the handyman with the shirt off doing a bunch of shit outside. Not really good at that, guys. I'm good at testing dirt bikes and giving you guys some feedback and uh, doing these types of things. So the app is not that scary. Do yourself a favor and try it out. If you guys do have one of these suckers... Let me know how it is. Let me know how you like yours. Let me know if what I'm talking about and what you guys are feeling out there coincide with one another. I love hearing from you guys. So if you see me at the track, come over, say hi. Let's bullshit a little bit about dirt bikes and maybe even about life because I love talking about that stuff as well. So thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys for supporting 
my advertisers on this podcast. I know it's a pain in the ass to listen to commercials, but I try to make them as fun as possible. And I also try to get you guys some discount codes that are worth a shit, save you guys some money, keep you on the track, and uh, keep that smile from uh, getting to be a frown, right? Because about what? Tuesday, Wednesday, man, you're probably already thinking about Saturday and going riding dirt bikes. So I'm doing my best over here, guys, to try to keep you on the track and keeping you safe and uh, getting that testing IQ up. Thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate it. Again, any questions, chris at keferinktesting.com. I'll do my best to get back to you in a timely manner. That's what we do over here. There's not another media outlet out there that gives the personal attention like we do. Kiefer Inc. Testing. Man, if that's not a sales pitch, I don't know what the fuck it was. So, all right, guys. Have a great day. Be good to each other. Ride safe. Ride hard. Learn something. See you next week.